Well, good evening. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open those up to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we'll be reading uh, from a section of verses there in just a moment. This year, uh, the focus here at Charlestown Road has been on finishing what was started. Uh, this is something that Roger and Jason have put a lot of time into. We've brought in multiple uh, preachers to speak on this very topic, and really everything we have done this year has been to focus on that very idea of finishing what was started. And so with that theme in mind, I want to focus in Philippians chapter 3 on verses 12 through 21. Now, if your Bible is anything like mine, uh, you may have a heading over that section. Now, mine is titled, Straining Toward the Goal, and I think that's a very fitting title for what it is that we are all trying to do here. You see, goals are not uncommon for us. Everybody who's sitting in this room has goals or has set goals, and those goals have changed uh, from time to time. Maybe if you're in high school, you have a goal of graduating high school and going to either uh, college or a trade school. Could be that if you are in college, you're wanting to get your bachelor's degree, maybe get a master's or a doctorate, depending on what field you're trying to go into. You could have goals for your career, start your own business, work up the corporate ladder so you can be a leader in your organization, whatever that may be. Some are in the stage of life where you're setting financial goals. I want to pay off debt. I want to save up money to buy a house. I want to uh, have so much in my 401k to retire, or maybe even you just want to have a college savings plan so you can help send your kids to school if that's what they choose to be, or choose to do, rather. But whatever it is, all of us have goals, and my goals are different than some of your goals. Your goals are probably different than my goals. But I think all of us in this room tonight share a goal, or I hope we all share a common goal, which is getting to heaven. And I think here in Philippians chapter 3, which we'll read in just a moment, Paul speaks to this very goal that we as Christians have. So at the time that we have remaining, we're going to start by reading this passage, and then I want to share a few thoughts uh, or lessons that I think Paul delivers to us here in this passage. So we'll start reading in verse 12. It says, Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, because I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself." And so, reading through that passage, I think one of the first lessons that sticks out to us comes from verse 13, where Paul speaks of this idea of looking ahead, not looking backward or looking behind. He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead. You see, our aim, our goal, similar to what Paul's is, is to get to heaven. And in order to get there, we need to be looking in that direction. We need to be looking forward and staying on that path rather than looking backward, looking to our past. 
I think there are times where, I know I've struggled with this, and maybe some of you have struggled with this idea too, but we reflect on our past and spend a lot of time fixating on our path and lose sight of where it is that we are trying to go and what it is we are trying to achieve. We may look back and think of missed opportunities that we had. It could be with school or work or relationships. Maybe you look back on your life and you think about the sins that you committed, the wrongs that you had, and you have that feeling of, how guilty am I? And maybe you have that feeling of, I can never be forgiven because of all the wrongs that I have done. But the good news for us is that because of Christ, because he died on that cross for us, we are able to be forgiven of those sins and of the wrongs that we committed in our past. And as we'll read here um, in just a moment, uh, you know, when we became Christians, that old self, that past that we had before we proclaimed Christ has died, and we are now a new creation. But in addition to thinking about the past and how we may often fixate on those things, I think we can oftentimes get caught up in the present. We get caught up and things going on around us in our lives today, and things that just pull us on multiple different directions and distract us from what it is that we are trying to achieve, where it is we are trying to go, to go, and that is to go to heaven, to be in heaven with God. And as a result of those things, when we're spending all of that time, you know, being pulled in all those different directions, or maybe thinking about um, our past and thinking about all the, the things that we have done, we may be often become discouraged as a result of that. Or we may start feeling hopeless or helpless and feeling like we aren't worthy and that we're not able to get to heaven. And that can be a very, very hard thing to combat. But something that I've learned over, I'd say, the last six months or so, um, I used to start, I started running um, several years ago, really once I finished playing football and needed something else to do. Um, and so at first I was running maybe three miles, but then earlier this year I was like, you know what, I, I probably need to get in better shape. So I wanted to start training for a 10K. Um, and so I started gradually going from three miles to four miles, and then from four to five, five to six, and so on. And what I learned from that in, in, in making that a goal for myself was that I had to shift my mindset and the way that I was preparing myself. I could no longer, whenever I was running, just distract myself with whatever it is I wanted to do. I couldn't just you know, turn on a podcast or turn on music and do those things. I couldn't just look at all the houses and the cars passing by and what people were doing in their, in their yards. I needed to be focused. I needed to, to know where it is I was going and what it is that I was trying to achieve. And I think that that idea or that goal um, of, of being laser-focused on where it is you're trying to go was something that we as Christians need to keep in our mind. Our, our goal and our objective is not to be here on earth and to make this earth as perfect as possible because that's never going to happen, but our goal is to get to heaven and to be, to heaven and be in heaven with God. And we see a couple other passages, or in a couple other passages, this idea of, of, of not dwelling on the past, not dwelling on things here on earth, but setting our minds, setting our hearts on a greater uh, place, on a perfect place. If you'll turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, we'll read the first two verses of that chapter. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, we see this principle of where you should be focusing your mind, where your heart should be set. And in Colossians 3, reads, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. And we see there that idea of setting our hearts on heaven, setting our hearts on things that are above, not setting it on the things of this world, the things that this world has to offer, not setting it on our past or things that we wish that we had done, but setting it where our goal is and where we want to be. That's where our focus should be. 
But we also see another uh, passage that talks about this very idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians reads, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You see, we go back to that idea of dwelling on our past or fixating on our past, and we're reminded here that when we put on Christ, we became a new creation. We no longer had that old self, but we put on the new self. We became a new creation. We were forgiven of the past sins, the past wrongs that we had done. And how powerful a statement that is, that we can be forgiven, we can be made new because of Jesus Christ. But in addition to this first concept of looking ahead, looking to where we want to go, rather than looking behind us, we also see that Paul encouraged us to press on to the goal. See, in verse 13, he was talking a lot about looking ahead, not looking backward. And as he continues this, that thought into verse 14, he says he's pressing on to the goal. Well, for Paul, what was that goal? I think that goal for him was to get to heaven, to be with Christ. And that should be all of our attitudes, just as it was Paul's attitude. But at the very beginning of verse 14, there's those three words that I just find extremely powerful and think we should dwell on. Those words, I press on. See, for me, when I think of that concept or that idea of pressing on, I first think of having perseverance. That's the first word that stuck out to me with this idea. So if you Google the definition of perseverance, the two that I uh, favored the most uh, and thought were most applicable to this were uh, to continue moving forward in a forceful or steady way. And the second one, which I kind of like better of the two, says to continue to do something, especially in a determined way. And I like that in a determined way in the sense of when we're trying to get to heaven, when that's our aim, that's our hope, and that's our goal, we are determined to get there. And there's nothing that will stop us or prevent us from getting there. And we have passages that, that talk to us or speak to us about this idea of perseverance and, and pressing on. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2, we see this um, idea of pressing on or having perseverance um, described and, and uh, taught to us. If you begin in verse 1, uh, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings us so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And focusing on that second verse, I find it kind of powerful to, to look at Jesus and the story of his perseverance. You know, he endured or persevered being on that cross for us. He endured the shame that people brought on him for who he was um, at that time. And he endured the crown of thorns and being mocked and sped upon and dying on that cross for us. He endured all of that for every single person in this room tonight. But then also we look at verse 1 where it talks about laying aside the weight and sin. We think of perseverance. We all have baggage. We all have sin. We all have things that we carry with us. But the powerful thing is here is don't let that be a roadblock. Don't let that be a hindrance to you achieving that goal, to you getting to heaven. Because those things may often be a roadblock to many of us from getting there. But also with perseverance, it's important to, uh, for us to realize when talking about pressing on that as Christians, just as everyone else, we're going to have struggles in our lives. We're going to have trials and temptations and, and storms that, that shake us to our very core. 
For some, you may have health issues for yourself. It could be you have health issues with family members, with loved ones. Maybe it's financial troubles because you lost your job, and that causes a strain uh, on your foundation. It could be uh, loss of loved ones or other forms of you know, pain and suffering that you encounter that, that, that forces you to choose and make a choice on where it is you want to go. Do you want to keep pressing on, pressing forward, or do you want to stray from the path and just throw in the towel? But we're reminded in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, of the, of the benefit of keeping on and straining toward that goal, as, as our section is titled. 2 Corinthians 4, if you start in verse 7, we're reminded, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to also to all who have loved his appearing. I think that idea is, is amazing. That when you press on, when you're persevering, you kept the good fight, or you fought the good fight, you kept the faith, you finished the race. We finished what was started as we were straining towards that goal. And now, in addition to the pain and suffering and those you know, troubles that we will experience, I think it's also important for us to realize that part of our pressing on or persevering is when we're confronted by the world. And this isn't a new concept. If you turn with me to John chapter 5, we read where Jesus actually talks about this very idea of being confronted by the world and being hated by the world. So in John 15, um, and we'll start in verse 18. Starting in verse 18, uh, Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, therefore the world hates you. And if we just stop right there, how prevalent that is in our society today, in the world in which we live. The world is saying everything contrary to what the Bible teaches, to what God says is true. The world says that your purpose on life is to live and make yourself as happy as possible, make as much money as possible, and really that's all that matters at the end of the day. Whereas God says that's not your purpose on earth. Your, your purpose is to live a life that glorifies and honors me. We live in a world that says, you know what, God is the problem. God is the one that makes mistakes. And we, as Christians, are sitting there standing and saying, no, God is perfect. God doesn't make mistakes. Our God is the creator of the universe and the almighty God. And he, then Jesus continues in verse 20. He says, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. And then earlier in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says something to the same effect. He says, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures... To the end will be saved. I like that second part of that sentence. The one who endures will be saved. The one who finishes the race. The one who finishes what was started. The one who strains toward that goal is going to be saved. You see, the simple fact is that you're going to be despised for your beliefs. Your family and friends are going to be angry at you at times for standing for what God says rather than what the world is saying. Sometimes it may cost you your job to stand for your beliefs rather than standing and going along with what the world has to say. But the, but the great thing to know is that you and I are going to a place where we get to spend eternity with the creator of the universe, the almighty God, as long as we keep pressing on toward the upward call of Christ. 
So, with that in mind, even though I'm having health issues, whether they be physical, mental, or emotional, I'll continue to press on when my friends and family despise me for standing up for what God says, rather than man, I will press on. When I lose a loved one and my heart is aching and it's hurting, I feel like I can never keep moving forward. I'll find a way to press on. Even if it costs me my job to stand for what God says, rather than man, I will press on. When the devil tries to pull me away from the Lord, I'll press on. And when I'm feeling discouraged, feeling hopeless or helpless, I will press on towards the upward call of Christ. And then thirdly, and finally, and we touched on this a little bit this morning, um, but Paul reminds us that my citizenship is in heaven and is not here on earth. And if you'll turn back with me to Philippians chapter 3, we'll just read again what it is that Paul said in verses 20 and 21. This idea of my citizenship not being here on earth, but rather in heaven with God. Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And I think that this idea here that Paul is getting to us, I think sometimes it can be lost on us. Maybe we forget this. I know I certainly have at times. I think we oftentimes may find ourselves getting caught up focusing on how many material possessions we can accumulate, like a a car or home or whatever it may be. Maybe we get distracted and are focusing so much on progressing in our careers, getting to that next promotion, that next pay raise, um, and we get focused on a whole host of other things that at the end of the day can serve as distractions to where it is we're going and what it is we're trying to achieve. I think we also get wrapped up in the politics of the day and focusing on who needs to be elected, when they need to be elected, what policies and all of those things that we need to put in place and allow that to consume all of our time and all of our life rather than focusing on where it is we're going, what our purpose is, and what we're trying to achieve. You know, and and Jesus tells us in Mark 8, verse 36, uh, he says, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And that's a question that we should all ask ourselves. So you may get the big promotion, you may get the big pay raise, you may have all the nice cars, nice homes, all that, but what good does it do you if you have all those things but lose out on the greatest prize of all, which is heaven? What good does that do for you? Because you see, at the end of this life, it won't matter how successful you are, it won't matter how far you made it in your career, and it doesn't even matter if your preferred political party wins every single election from now to the end of time and enacts all of the policy proposals that you want. This earth will not be perfect, this world will not be uh, you know, anything that what heaven has to offer, what heaven is. Because as long as we're here on earth, there will be pain, there will be suffering, and there will be sin. And so tonight, the last two verses I want to read with you um, come from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'll turn there with me, thinking about this idea of this world not being our home, this world being full of, of pain and, and suffering and, and, and sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we'll read the first three verses. It says, For we know that if the tent that is our heavenly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. For if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. And then our last passage uh, this morning comes, or this evening rather, comes from Revelations 21, verses 3 and 4. If you were here this morning, we we read this um, as well. But we're reminded in in Revelation 21 that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You see, the goal of where we are trying to go, that place that we are trying to get to, is a place where there will be no pain or suffering or loss. As you read here in Revelation 21, it'll be a place where there are no tears, no crying, no mourning, no pain anymore, because we're going to where the creator of the universe resides, where all is perfect. Now, earlier, uh, I had mentioned that uh, I had taken up, you know, running longer distance and, and trying to, to get myself in shape to do a 10K. And when I first started making that journey uh, of running, you know, four, then five, then six miles uh, to, to prepare that, um, when I turn around and go back towards my house, there is a hill that I have to climb and go up. And for whatever it is, maybe, I don't know if I'm the only runner, but I absolutely hate hills more than anything in the world whenever I'm trying to run. Just give me flat ground, and I'll be okay. But whenever I first started tackling this hill, um, my first approach or mindset to it was, well, you know what, I'm running everything else, and this hill is brutal. So maybe I'll just walk this section of the run, and then when I get to the top, it's about a mile and a half home, and I'll just finish the run from there. Well, for a variety of different reasons, I realized that that was... A horrible idea. Um, so I quickly figured out I needed to do something else because the way the approach I was taking was leaving me tired, my legs still burned, I couldn't catch my breath, and when I started running again, it felt like I had you know a bunch of bricks tied around my waist. So it was a horrible decision. And so one day, and this may be the the nerd in me, and that's okay, I guess if it is, but I like to listen to uh, speeches, whether it be from motivational speakers or um, just historical speeches from major world events. And so I've listened to everything from your, you know, your regular Joe who goes to like an organization or a sports team, and they, they, they give this speech to try and motivate these people. Um, but then I also, from like historical perspectives, I listen to people like a Winston Churchill or a Teddy Roosevelt, if you can find uh, some videos that have been recorded of, of some of his speeches. These people who are really good at using the English language and, and doing so in a public setting. Well, one day I stumbled upon a video as I was approaching this hill, and I clicked on it, and this video was a guy giving a sort of campaign speech for, at the time, it was um, presidential candidate Barry Goldwater. I believe it was in the 1960s when he was running. And in this video, um, like a lot of these videos, you know, this, this, um, this speech or this guy who's talking is, you know, trying to get to the main point of his, of his uh, speech and his time there. And this man kind of gets to that moment in his speech where he looks out across the audience and he tells them, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. And when I heard that, my mind went to, how could I try and connect that to this sermon? You see, for you and I, we don't have a rendezvous with destiny. That's not something that we have. But we do have a rendezvous with someone. And that someone is God. That someone is the creator of the universe. And it's a rendezvous that is unavoidable. It's something that you can't be late for. It's something that you can procrastinate or kick down the road. It's something that every single person sitting in this room tonight and every single person around the world will have to attend. And we will have to stand before God, and we will hear one of two things on that day. First thing that we could hear is, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of God. Or you could hear, Depart from me, for I never knew you. Now for those that were baptized and started down that, that path and finished the race, kept the faith and, and strived toward that goal, hearing those words, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of heaven, that'll be the greatest moment of your life. 
where you hear that all of the hard work, all of the dedication and commitment that you have had has finally paid off, and now you get to spend eternity with the creator of the universe and with our God. But on the flip side of that, there will be some who hear that second sentence, depart from me, for I never knew you. And when you hear those words uttered and you realize that not just for a day, a week, a month, or a year, but for eternity, you're separated from God, that'll be a very, to put it mildly, sad day to hear those phrases or that sentence uttered to you. So tonight we need to be asking of ourselves, am I moving forward that goal, moving toward that goal of being in heaven with God? Is that my focus? Is that where I'm spending my time and energy on getting to that destination? Or have I fallen off that path? Maybe I'm distracted by things that that maybe just at the end of the day don't matter. Maybe I'm putting all my energy and attention into other things that just aren't worthwhile. Maybe you're somebody here tonight who is ready to begin that race and make your light right with God by being immersed in the waters of baptism. Or it could be that maybe you're going through a difficult time in your life and you're just needing prayers on behalf of the congregation uh, to help you get through those storms and trials of life. If there's anything we can do for you this evening, please come to the front as we stand and as we sing.